All right, welcome back. <laughs> Sorry, I know that was a little abrupt, but my issue with Zion. My issue with Zion is if the Bulls did end up getting Zion, he's a four. There's no only way to put it around it. He's a four. Maybe you could play him at three, but he's a four. No. You have a four in Laurie. You, you drafted a five in Wendell Carter Jr., who is another solid piece to this. We, we forget about him because he's injured, but he's another solid piece. You're, you're, you're screwing up your whole rotation in that fact that this is what you would have to do is have your point guard, Levine at two, Otto Porter at three, uh, Zion at four, and then you'd have to shift Laurie to five. You'd have to because you're not going to stop doing Laurie. And then Wendell's going to have to come off the bench. You don't have to do it that way. That's uh, unless unless you have. If you want to pay a hundred six million dollar bench guy. That's awesome. what I'm saying. You're not going to do that. You're not going to do that. You know why the Bulls like Boylan? Boylan's a yes man. Boylan says you want it that way. I'll do it. That's why he's Fred around. Wasn't? No, Fred. Fred wasn't because Fred wanted. They never gave Fred a shot. They never gave Fred a shot. They never get constructed a roster that Fred wanted. They never constructed a, fr- a roster they that Fred wanted. They have ass constructed a roster that Fred wanted. No, they're not even half assed. Well, they not, tried. They, they, they gave him. Ass. They gave him a little. Some guys who could stretch the floor. He likes to try to play the the Golden State style. Three? Who could have shoot a three on that team? What, which there? one? Who? Which team? Uh, uh, on any of the teams that Fred had, who could shoot a three? It's a great question. Great question for another time. I have to look. I have to look. I have to look. I have to look into the team. <laughs> the, to be honest, I have to look. I have to look into one. There was nobody. There was nobody on those teams when they were constructed. That What's I mean? His first first season when he had Wade, obviously Wade, Rondo, and Butler. None of those guys are shooters. And, that was, and then that after was the, the, that, was the, but then, but then, yeah, but then they went and got okay. Yeah, hundred percent. I understand. There's nobody on that team that was dumb. That was his first year, wasn't it? Yep. Okay, so yeah, his first year they completely set the guy up for failure. Second year was when they traded Jimmy, or that was at the end of the second year. Yeah. So they ended his second uh, year. That was the that was uh, second year was. Cause he had four years. Se- no, second year wasn't they traded Jimmy. They traded Jimmy. They got Lowry. Lowry is the, this is Lowry's second year. They traded Jimmy that draft night last year. Okay, so they traded. Okay, so let's say that. So they got Lowry. They got Zach. They thought Dunn would turn into something, but he looks like he doesn't know how to facilitate anything. I mean, I didn't. Even, I don't even realize when Dunn's not in the floor anymore. Besides, when he's not, the ball actually moves. The ball actually moves. Um, when you, I don't give you a saying, but I mean, I understand Zach, Zach Levine. He can score with probably a top 20, 20 scorer in top twenty player. I don't say t- not top twenty player. Defense needs some work. If you, you want to talk about analytics and numbers, he's like ranked down as like one of the worst players at you know at his position because he gives up so many points. His defense is just atrocious, and it's not. The fact that he doesn't try. That's why I'm not giving up on Zach. Because a lot of guys just say, screw it, like Jabari Parker. What am I here for? What am I here for? I'm here to score. Yeah. You know, you're to start your career off people asking you about your defensive woes and you simply sit there and tell them when you sign a $20 million contract that I get paid to score. Like, we get that, but basketball's a two-way game. You got to defend. And Le- Le- uh, I almost say Levine all the time. Levine... Doesn't defend well. Markinen doesn't defend well either. Even though the last, I think, 20 games, Markinen's been balling out. Levine's also been doing a lot better. But again, the defense is really questionable. And his IQ of the game, if you could just give me Zach Levine's athleticism in his game and put it with Wendell Carter's smarts, because Wendell Carter's a smart dude. Could have went to Harvard, but he chose Duke. I mean, that just tell you right there that this guy's got a brain on him. And being smart in pro sports and anything in life gets you far. You may not have to be the best at it, but if you're smart, it could work. And Laurie's smart. Zach, I'm not saying he's dumb. I'm saying he's some idiot, and I don't want people to take this and run with it. I'm calling him stupid. But his his shot selection, like, a lot of time that, that turnaround fadeaway. Yeah, he can hit it sometimes. Don't be wrong. When he gets on a heater... He like I feel like the guy can't miss, but there's sometimes where it's getting down, you know, nitty gritty. You need to go to the rim, get a good shot, you know, maybe try to draw that foul. You're a good free throw shooter. He's a solid free throw. Shooter. Get to the rim, take the foul. If not, okay, you still tried. He settles for these turnaround jumpers, walk up threes. You can't do that. I understand where you're coming from, with Zach. And as I stated though, Zach's not your main guy. Yeah, Zach is your. Uh, to me, I think I, I think he's going to be end up being the third option. That's what I think Zach's going to end up be on this team is the third option. Laurie is either your one or two, depending on who you draft. Can I tell you who my? Oh, okay. Hold on, let me get to this because I am going on a Chris Dunn tangent oh, right please, now. I want to hear it because he. Oh. Chris Dunn is not. <laughs> he's not good. 
No. He's not good. And and for what? He was fifth overall, right? A fifth overall pick? Fifth or sixth. Yeah. yeah. Little, fifth fifth overall pick. He's not, not worth it. And, and and the shine and the glimmer of, ooh, we got a fifth overall pick out of this. Not good. Now, the Bulls obviously won that Jimmy trade. 100% won that Jimmy trade because he's not there anymore. 100% won that Jimmy trade. That, But the, the – they're – I don't think their superstar is there yet. Maybe it's in Laurie. Maybe I could be wrong and it's it's Laurie. But uh, uh, Levine's your three. Dunn is terrible. It's time to move on. We got two years left on his contract, I think. Fuck it. Cut him. Get him out of there. Or have him come off the bench. Anybody who says Derrick Rose needs to be a bull again, go kill yourself. Uh, And he said that. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, They need to draft. They need to draft a point guard. They need to draft a point guard. Ja. Ja Morant. As I call him, J.A. Morant. I don't say Ja. I say J.A. because I think of Ja Rule. He's J.A. Morant. Uh, he needs they, – they need to go after him. In a lot of mock drafts, I've seen him go three or four. So, if they stay put, they'll be fine. Chris Dunn is just trash, though. Trash, garbage. The For God's sake, the game against Boston, they were he was going to pull uh, Archie Giacchino. Archie Giacchino's not – he's a specialist, maybe three-pointer, if that. <laughs> if that he's a tryhard guy, all right. He knows how to get. He knows how to run an offense. He can. He, he, he gets he, the idea of the game. He can push. He can push the ball on the court. He can play hard. The that's all fine, Dan. That, that, that's all fine and dandy. But that's your backup point guard. When you're, uh, he should be a third. I'm just saying. But he was your. Ba- he on that team right now. He's yeah, your backup yeah. point guard. And your starting point guard. You decided not to put back in. And I get it going hot and everything, but. But it's just terrible. It's just, it's just, they all know it's terrible. All right. Boylan knows it's terrible. Boylan's just playing them because he doesn't have an option in point guard. They need to go after somebody. That's where your, 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 your basketball IQ needs to come from. You talked about uh, Levine's basketball. I can handle him having a bad basketball IQ. That's fine. That's fine. You you set him up. You you make sure he's just set up to, to perform the best he is. The, the issue is, is, the offense is running through him right now. That's your issue. You can't have that. You need somebody to run the offense through. Somebody to start up and set up things. Dunn can't make plays without the ball in his hand. He needs to be either passing or trying to score. He, he's not a guy who can go and set a pick or a guy who can go. I mean, I know he's small, but still. Or a guy who does really well off the ball things or try and go after a rebound. I'm sorry. Point guards get rebounds now. Westbrook's had a triple uh, that's different. Everyone gets out of the fucking way for sure, Westbrook. They, they, they everyone gets out of the way for Westbrook. The, uh, I need to see the Bulls show some initiative in that. All in all, I will say the Bulls have a passing grade on Phase One of the rebuild. What would be? What would you consider Phase One? Gutting. Where did Phase One? Start? Gutting young. Gutting young and athletic. So gutting young and like we'll say from the moment they traded Jimmy would that be the beginning of phase one that's the beginning of phase because one phase one should have started two years prior to that with the Rondo Wade thing they should have never done that but yes beginning of phase one so phase 1.2 I guess it won in, yeah, one one phase one one. <laughs> one one phase one one uh, that, that, that is I'll give them passing grade I'm not saying an A I'm not saying they, 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 they did it perfectly passing grade I'm gonna say B minus they get a B minus for this rebuild so far in now, now my it, my biggest issue is Boylan, and I, I get what they're doing with Boylan. It's he is the Mark Jackson uh, for the Bulls. Oh he is the Ricky Renteria of the Cubs. He's he's, he's your guy that's gonna get these guys to a point. And I'm not saying he's not a great coach, but he'll get them to a point. He's gonna get these guys to a point and have them be a team until your guy becomes available, and you're gonna go after. Your guy. My uh, my my main issue though is there is no identity to this team. Do you want to know what their identity is? Young, young, long, athletic. That's it. That's not an identity. Uh, that is not an identity. The, I I have stated this. I I work at the score. In case you don't, six hundred score in Chicago. You don't know. I stated this on air the other day. This feels like a Frankenstein thing almost. They looked at every team that's rebuilt and or every team that how every team is constructed, successful team in the NBA, and been like, I like what you did here. 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 And I'm gonna scoop all those things and try and piece it together and make it work. And it's not. And it's not. They need an identity. They need to be 
are we that you know like the 2011 Bulls? What would you say their identity was? So the Joe Kim Noah, Derrick Rose. Yeah. Identity? I'd say that was that was a rough, tough, grinded out team. You had Lou Dang, Taj Gibson, Joe Kim Noah, our three on defense, superstar yeah. on offense. Never, never they all of them weren't great on offense. They had their one or two great scores. That's why they didn't really average that many points, but they just shut you down defensively. And then you have Tom Thibodeau, who somehow, I don't know how he did it, but this also shows you how bad Chris Dunn is because Tom Thibodeau loves point guards. Tom Thibodeau loves no-name point guards and bringing them into something. DJ Augustine, uh, John Lucas. I mean, he doesn't make them superstars. He makes them Relevant. from third string or fourth guys, maybe in G League guys, into guys who can come off the bench and contribute and maybe spot start for you. And Chris Dunn couldn't even play on Tibbs' team. Granted, yes, Tibbs doesn't trust rookies, but he loves his point guards. But the identity for that team, like you said, yeah, try hard, try hard, try hard. They're tough, nitty-gritty defense. Like, they just shut you down, and they rode, they rode you hard. Okay, rode you hard for all 48 minutes of the game. Now, what do you think the Bulls' identity is now? Uh, rebuild? I have no I couldn't. They, they don't have one. Like I said, they, they really don't. I mean, if you could maybe dig down deep and try to – wait, they, they do have an identity. Boyle said it, road dog, baby. they got that road dog mentality. <laughs> no, no. They have no identity whatsoever, and it's – like, like my 2011 Bulls, you said, grind it out. People feared coming to United Center. They feared it because they knew that it was a battle on their hands. You knew it was a battle going into that game. What do you think about the Bulls going into a game? What do teams think about the Bulls? Well, let's see. What did the Kings do after their, uh, after they beat the Bulls? Oh, didn't they laugh about them and say, have fun at your two-hour practice? Wasn't there a mutiny? Wasn't like like... like I don't care what John Paxson had to say about the the fact that, oh, there was no mutiny. I was never con- – the, the, I contacted Adam Silver, and he said the union office never contacted him. Just because union office never contacted Adam Silver doesn't mean the players didn't contact the union. Mm-hmm. Like, players said they contacted the union about this. There was a mutiny on your hands. The things have gotten better now. Yes, they've gotten better. I, I will – Completely and utterly agree with that. They have gotten better. The last 10 days have looked like... They look like they want to actually play. Yeah, they look like they're having fun. Yeah, somewhat. Even losing, they still look like they're having fun. They're out there, they're trying. Well, because the ball's moving. The ball's moving. It's not... uh, It's not just one guy picking up and... It's not 1993 basketball, let's run down the clock. No. Seven seconds, run it. Run Yeah. Run the offense. Yeah, it's... You need to... The ball... It's not the... They need to become a modern NBA team, and it feels like they are. My, they, that's my biggest thing. They need to find an identity. So you said you have, you have an issue with Jim Boylan. I, I'd say probably 95 to maybe more percent of Chicago has the same issue as we all do. He's not the right coach for the job. He probably doesn't really belong being a head coach in the NBA. But he's your head coach. And the thing with Reinsdorf, he has a very hard time – Well. And John uh, Garn Pax is that this whole little group here, they're very loyal and they're very stuck to their ways. As in, if it's not working and it's my way, uh, it's gonna work. They're still gonna keep thinking it's gonna work or we're gonna prove you. And they're very loyal little people, especially Reinsdorf. You look at Kenny Williams. Like, can't get rid of them. You can be a uh, president of a player operation or do some of the. Yeah, exactly. We're not gonna get rid of you, but we'll, we'll let you have a say in things. We'll give you another job, but he never gets rid of anybody because he's too loyal to his friends. So that needs to first. I mean, everybody says Garpak's gotta go. He'd be wrong to say not, nah, cause I, I. But the thing that's gonna bail them out once again. I got something to say about that. Okay, well, let me let me get my piece here. The thing that's gonna bail them out once again. Well, bail Garpak's out once again is cause this team's going to start playing a little bit better. Not good enough to get them out of the draft lottery, guys. Chill out. I'm not saying that they're gonna put. But Otto Porter was a good trade. Yes, he's a lot of money. I understand it, but he's a good player. He's a good three. If you haven't looked since he's been on the team, they're a lot better. They have that experience of a guy who knows how to play in a system and move the ball around and move without the ball. Before, like we said, it was seven seconds, okay? Let's wait the clock's down to seven seconds, then do it. And then when you have Chris Dunn running your offense, that's never going to help anything at all. Garpax.
Garpex. I'm glad you brought up Garpex. Garpex. You can bail out again. So, Joey, you're new. You, you, I, I did this with a certain somebody before, and you're new to this. So, okay. at the end of every episode, which we're winding down here, we do this thing called the sloppy take. Ooh. You do just a bad take that has the possibility of coming true. It's just sloppy. I'm going to give you my sloppy take right now. The end of the season. Gar Foreman will be fired. What gives you the inkling? What gives you the inkling of this? The reason I say this. I can't wait. Gar Foreman doesn't do anything alone anymore. He used to do pressers alone. He used to do a lot of scouting alone. He used to do a lot of different things alone. John Paxson has been tied to his hip Ever since they fired Fred Hoiberg. The, I think they, they the Bulls organization, when they hired Fred, said this because it was Gascar's boy. This is it. This is your, this is, this is tied to your future. Mm-hmm. I think going into the season, they knew they were firing Fred. I, I, there was, I, I think they were just stalling time. And I think Gar probably stalled some time on that. Oh, come on, give him a chance, guys. Give him a chance. They fired him. I have not seen Gar do a Gar was supposed to do um, a solo press conference on the trade night. And then I heard Pax there. I yeah. Was, I was confused. I was yeah. like, wait, I thought could they, they advertised it as... Sorry to interrupt. But yeah, I remember that because I remember listening to him build it up, talking about, oh, Gar, Gar's talking today just by himself. Gar's doing a Gar-only meeting? And they were saying that. And then I remember hearing it, and I kept hearing... Uh, you know, Pac- Paxson's old raspy voice jumping. I'm like, that not sound like Gar. And I realize it's John and Pax. You do make a good point, though. I do I do see you on that. They have been distancing themselves from Gar. They they have slowly... Gar is not done, doesn't do media stuff anymore. He was doing media stuff. He doesn't do media stuff anymore. You don't see him without John. You see John without him, but you do not see him without John. They are going to fire him at the end of the season. That is so. that is my sloppy take. Is that Gar Foreman? The end of the Gar Pax era is soon. It's going to be the Pax and somebody else era. And I can't. Well, like I say, I agree or disagree. I hope that happens. I, I don't see it happening again. And I like little things here and there, and just to think, you know, you know, we all we always do this in sports and start noticing little things like, oh, this is going to happen, like. Bryce Harper on the cover of MLB had a white and black hoodie on. He's going to the White Sox. Manny Machado's His dog's name's Wrigley. He's going to the Cubs. Manny Machado's kids got cleats or, or his brother-in-law's cleats or Manny Machado cleats. And, oh, my God, he's going to the White Sox. And none of it happened. I don't know, maybe just players are strolling with us. But I, I can't see Reinsdorf because he's just too loyal. Maybe when he dies. Jerry doesn't run that team. I know he doesn't, Michael, but neither. Wurtz. Michael runs that team. Wurtz, what was the first word? He didn't run it either towards the end of his life. But he still had the same morals put in the team that still stuck there until the day he died. So I wouldn't doubt it if we're stuck with this until Reinsdorf croaks over and says, hey, I can't do it anymore. You completely do it. I don't care what you do. But I, st- I still think Jerry's got a say in it. Uh, it's it's his baby. It's his team. He's had it. Give me your sloppy take. See, I wasn't ready for this type of sloppy. So now I got to think. I was trying to think when you put me on the spot. So it's sloppy take, something I just think. Something that could happen. Could happen? Uh, something I really think could happen. I think it's going to happen uh, unless they win a World Series is the Joe Madden getting fired, and I really think it's one of the dumbest things that's going to happen. So you said this is Joe Madden's last year as a, as a coach? Yeah, unless they win the World Series. And not make it. Not make it. They have to win it for him to stay. For some reason, I think Theo and uh, can't remember his name right now. Jed got him, got him on the way out. I don't know why, but there just seems to be like, Joe's not the yes man that you're talking about. Joe's going to do things his way, which great he should. He's very good at what he does. And yeah, he does the two cute things that, but what what did Matt Nagy do? It's who you are. He did those cute things and did they backfire sometimes? Yeah, but it's when he did them, you loved them. Like when he took Travis Wood and put him in left field to, to save his arm because he wanted to use him the next inning, you know, so he could bring him back in again instead of taking him out of the game. That's great. All the little funny little things he does on the field. I like it. And 
If you're a Cup fan, and just I'm gonna go a little rant. If you're a Cup fan, you're gonna sit here and tell me that Joe Madden deserves to get fired. Okay, if they go, if they win 70 games, then then yeah, what I mean, unless barring a bunch of injuries, but you're gonna sit here in 2015 before the Cubs won a World Series, and you're complaining about oh, won a World Series, won a World Series. You'll do anything. If they just win one World Series, I'll be happy. I want to see more before I die. Well, guess what? You got your one, and who got you that one? Joe Madden. And yes, I watched Game 7. I feel like he tried losing that game. It was awful managing by on his part. Terrible. But yeah, bad situation, bad situational pitching, bringing Chapman for like 30 innings in the 7th. Blew out after he already pitched. 30 yeah. <laughs> after he already pitched from the uh, a blowout game the game before when you already had it. See, I get those little things, but... He's done more good than bad. Before you do something in life, what a lot of people do, you, oh, you, you, you take the negatives and the positives, and then and the positives outweigh the negatives, then you go with whatever that had the more positives. And right now, I think Joe Madden has more positives than he has the negatives against him, and he got you a World Series. He's been, he got you to multiple back-to-back NLCSs, and then he got into the playoffs for, what, four straight years now, and... You're coming back with a really good team this year, if healthy, and if everybody performs at the where they should be, could be, again, a World Series champion. And you are sitting here after years and years and years and years of losing, years and years and years of head coaching changes, finally have a team and a coach that are consistently winning, and we're so selfish and blinded by World Series rings. We're going to sit here and tell you that this guy is not the guy for the job, that you want to bring in Joe Girardi maybe or whoever else you have on your list. Dumb. Joe Madden should not be fired from damn Cubs. I think I think that that's a that, that's a wrap there. Uh, I get what you're coming from on that. Uh, I do. Um, it's suspicious that they haven't extended it yet, for sure. It's definitely suspicious. Um, all right. Well, thanks guys for listening to the first episode of Sloppy Stakes 2.0. I'm Chris Dickens, and I'm Joey Alexander. And keep them takes nice and sloppy. Right, welcome in to the new and improved Sloppy Takes. I'm Chris Dickens alongside. And I'm Joey Alexander. And we got a lot to talk about today. Uh, first, let's start off with uh, some baseball. And we got some Bryce Harper to talk about. And where the hell is he going to go? Uh, just like we were, we were talking about earlier... Um, I I definitely think the Dodgers now in the last two days definitely changed my mind. I was all for Phillies because that's all I kept hearing about was Phillies, Phillies, and then the whole Padres thing, which I think was a bunch of you know smoke screens. But how are they gonna add seven hundred million to their payroll? Well, obviously it won't hit this year, but all together like seven hundred million, like that's that's incredible. Like there's no way they would do that. But now the Dodgers, like you said, it's closer to home. He trains. In LA, he's a Lakers fan. I think right now it just it's perfect for him to go there, but I think it's gonna take a lot less years. He's not gonna get the three hundred million for ten, twelve, whatever ridiculous amount of years he wants. Yeah, uh if if you haven't heard, he his new demands are from the Phillies that not only does he get the ten years three hundred and three hundred plus, he wants over three hundred million. Uh he wants a three year opt out. Well, thanks to Scott Boris, but he wants a three year opt out. In that. Um, and to me, that just sounds absolutely insane. You're telling me that you're going to sign a guy in good faith because that's all you're doing is you're putting in good faith. Like, oh, yeah, you want a long-term contract, bring me a long-term contract. But then you're saying, well, after three years, I want to decide. Why not take the short-term contract then? That's that's what doesn't make sense to me. And I agree with you. I think it's going to be the Dodgers. I think they go three years, $90 million, $95 million maybe, something like that. And, and just say, hey, you know, hey, man, come play with us for three years. Then 
to have your picking at the picking of the litter again. You're gonna be 29. You'll be in your prime still. Your teams are gonna easily offer you a six, seven year contract after that. I I don't think I think the Phillies screwed themselves out of it. And I more actually I think Bryce Harper and Scott Boris screwed the Phillies out of it rather than the Phillies screwed themselves. Do you think that having Scott Boris an agent is the only like, the biggest reason why he hasn't signed? If he had some other agent. Do you think he would have signed by now, or do you think it's all Scott Boris in his ear and Scott Boris' ego and wanting that that biggest MLB, actually the biggest sporting contract in American sports history? Scott Boris was saying, I think after his first year, that this kid, or it was like two years ago or something like that, that this kid was going to get the $400 million contract. Bryce Harper's going to get a $400 million contract. I'm telling you right now. I, I don't think it's all Scott Boris, but I think Scott Boris is feeding into Bryce's ego. He's a, he's a superstar. Yeah. All superstars have egos. So I think Boris is just inflating that ego. Like, no, we can get better. You're worth more than that. And of course, as an agent, he should be doing that. That's fine. Yeah. But at the same time, you're a week into spring training already. Uh, like, games have started. You're not with the team. What, what do you expect? Yeah, no. And as a player, you think it's Bryce. Like, okay, you'd want that peace of mind knowing whether whether it's three years or ten years, where I'm going to be playing my baseball, where my family's going to be, or you know, in that sense of where where am I going to go? And now you're just sitting here every day. I mean, obviously, I'm sure he's training. I mean, he's a professional athlete. It's what he does. But just knowing where you're going to go, knowing where you can move, make plans like that, just be such more peace of mind. I would sleep better at night. So, yeah, it's, I still think Dodgers. And what do you think about uh, the whole Nolan Arenado signing today? That also now, I think, is going to buff up the market for Bryce Harper. I think this is good news for Bryce Harper that Arenado just signed that. What was it, 260 for eight with the three-year opt-out? Uh, yeah, it was 245. 245. 245 that he got. And it hey, bad news for White Sox fans. Uh, <laughs> bad news for White Sox fans because after after Machado got it was oh we're getting Arenado next year no you're not um, I think yeah this helps I mean this does help Harper uh, I think Machado helped Harper I think Arenado helped Harper um, I initially thought that Harper would be the first to sign out of out of all of these guys I thought out of every free agent I thought Harper would be the first to sign just because I thought the guy wanted to be just playing baseball. You know, and and you hear how many three hundred million dollar contracts who's throwing money at him, and he's turned them all down. I mean, I've, the Nationals already took their hat out of it. They were just like, no, we haven't heard from him in months. So, uh, I guess I think Boris is is a big part of all of this. Which, and you know, we are based in Chicago, so I should say Cubs fans should be worried for Chris Bryant's sake in the same situation. Almost, it, it's it's going to be interesting to see. How this all unfolds and and where Harper ends up and how much money it's going to be because I mean if that does say bolster the market for him maybe it's three years a hundred million out of the Dodgers. Well, for the Chris Bryant topic, when I first heard Arenado's um, numbers today, I was like right away because I know the Cubs were rumored. I don't know if it actually happened, but I think they did over this past offseason or I mean over uh, during last year they offered Chris Bryant a a pretty decent contract, two hundred million or something like that for I forget how many years. But he said no, because obviously he also has Scott Boris as his agent. So he's definitely not going to go for it. He's going to want that $300 million. Also, Scott Boris was saying Chris Bryant's another one of those $400 million type guys. You know, he wants him and Harper. But I think this is a great opportunity for the Cubs to jump in and like look, tell Chris, like, look at look what's going on in the market right now. I mean, yeah, finally these guys are signed. Well, one guy signed for $300 million, But do you really want to go through this? big process where you're pretty much getting shut down by all these teams. There's really not that big of a market as you as everybody thought there would. Like two years ago if I told you that Bryce Harper and Manny Machado were gonna be signing into February, almost well, March now for Bryce Harper, you'd I probably would have said you're crazy. I think you would have said like no one saw this being dragged out that long. So if you're Chris Bryan, you look, okay, the Cubs came knocking on your door right now. You had the shoulder injury. You had a really rough year last year. You have to bet on yourself this year. You know, you had a lot of things go bad, and a lot of people are kind of down on you, especially on Twitter and, you know, all these other social media sites. You might be thinking, okay, I'll take that 260, $260 million I could take. So, I mean, that, that'd be big for them. It'd be big for him if he could do that.
Well, as far as Chris Bryant goes, <laughs> I think that uh, he he's it, the difference is uh, when the Cubs be like, oh, you know, look at the market, look at the market. I maybe last year if you said that to me, because JD Martinez, JD Martinez was thinking he was going to get two hundred plus million, and look what he got. I mean, it was what one hundred and eighty just for the with the Red Sox. <laughs> yeah, uh, for what? But still, you're not you're you're sitting there and you're. Looking at that, and that's what I thought Machado was going towards with the White Sox. I was like, okay, the White Sox are just holding ground. That's what the Red Sox did with with JD Martinez. They're, he's just gonna hold. They're gonna hold ground. Nobody's gonna give him what he wants, and he's just gonna end up signing. Uh, I think teams are willing to pay. I think they really are. I think teams are gonna be willing to pay. Uh, it'll take longer because negotiations are gonna take longer because I mean it's just negotiation. You're, somebody's gonna put out an offer. You're not gonna say yes to the first offer. I I think. What the Cubs need to do is be like, hey, here's nine years, 300. You're, you're with us the rest of your career, essentially. Any opt-outs? Maybe an opt-out after six. Maybe an opt-out after six. Because as we saw with the White Sox, you, you need to put that opt-out in. That's plain and simple. Yeah. You need to put that, white, that opt-out in because the players don't want to be strapped in because if, if that culture changes. Ten years is a long time for a baseball team. That's a, to live anywhere, if you think about it. Yeah, that's a long – but in baseball terms, that's a really long time because look how many rebuilds you go through. Look how many times you're going to be up and down, in and out of the playoffs, everything. Yeah, so I guess I'd say if, if I was Chris, I mean, my I'm a Cub fan, though, so I, I want Chris – but also, when you come from a Sox fan, like you said, uh-oh, bad news for Sox fans because there goes... Oh, yeah. So, back back to the whole Chris Bryant thing. Of course, I want the Cubs to sign him, but back to what I was saying with you about the, the White Sox and oh, no, because there goes Arenado. Do, do you think... I think Arenado's better than Manny. Do you think Arenado's better than Manny? No, I don't. Uh, Arenado is like a 4-2 war player. Manny's averaged almost five, and and that's even with having shortened seasons uh, in, in there as well. Uh, the biggest issue for me with baseball, though, I'm going to go back to that, is 2021, the CBA's up. There's going to be a strike. Oh, definitely. The, this offseason? There, there's going to be a strike. The, this offseason, last offseason, the, the gap between revenue and players, players getting paid is just enormous, and it just keeps on growing, and owners are not shifting into that way of, hey, we need to pay our players more. We, at some point, we're going to see a $500 million player. At some point, and it might be Mike Trout, <laughs> to be all honest. Was Mike Trout coming? If, that's, if they can get a CBA done before Trout has, is a free agent, when Mike Trout hits free agency, he's the—he's—he's he's not going to extend with LA. Yeah, he's, he's, he's not going to go to free agency. Yo, you, you, I'll put money on Mike. I will uh, put this on record. Uh, February twenty-sixth at eight forty-one p.m. That um, Mike Trout will not hit free agency. The Angels will not let him go. He wants to stay in Anaheim. You know, they're probably never going to win because it's. They just never put anything around, and they signed Pujols to a massive deal at like forty years old. And Who's the other one they put it in? Uh, Justin or not? What's the fucking name? Uh, Hamilton. Hamilton. Yeah, Josh Hamilton. Yeah. That worked out great, and he relapsed anyway. So, I mean, but Trout wants to be in LA. I think he's staying in LA. I think he's comfortable there. He's he's just one of those guys. If he's looking, he's, he's not the Harper type. He doesn't need all the attention. He doesn't need all the. Oh, look at me! I'm you know Bryce. You could tell Bryce loves the attention. Bryce is a super hot shot. Like, look at me. Yeah. Mike Trout, I mean, didn't Manfred get on him saying he needs to be more vocal and more of a face of baseball because he is the best player, just like how LeBron is the best player in basketball, and he is all over. All you hear about is LeBron, whether it's offseason, regular season, whatever season, basketball talk, LeBron's going to come up. When you do baseball talk, we didn't talk about Mike Trout at all, barely this offseason, up until it's, well, what do you think Trout would get if he was on this market? That's the only convo. You I mean, Mike Trout never comes up in conversation about baseball. Maybe maybe in L.A. he does, but I don't even know if he comes up over there. I disagree with you wholeheartedly in the fact that he's going to resign. I don't think, I think L.A. will attempt, and I think Trout is going, I think he wants to win. You're a competitor. You're a baseball player. You want to win. You know you're in a bad situation in L.A. He might love L.A. All, all you want. 
you might lo love it all you want. And how many players do you? Oh, I love this city. Oh, I love this yeah, city. No, they, everybody says that. It, it, it's you're gonna go. Somebody's gonna be like, "Hey, Trout, we're gonna give you half our payroll. Come this way." And he'll be like, uh, you guys going to win? They're going to be like, look at all these young guys we got. They're coming up being good because look what how every team in the last five years has won a World Series. Built from the bottom up. They did, started with Kansas City. The Cubs did it. The Astros have done it. The Red Sox did it. All, the, all of these teams, the, the Dodgers are doing it. They haven't won, but the Dodgers do it too. Look at every year. Oh, it's the Dodgers have some no-name kid that just comes up and blows up. It started back with like Puig and then Cody Bellinger and then Peterson came. Yeah, had Jack a Peterson. Season, yeah, but still, it's oh, who is it? Max Muncie. Max like, Muncie, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's uh, just saying these no-name guys that you you don't you know you hear about all these prospects. You know, you you uh, Vlad Jr. Like Vlad Jr.'s coming up. Eloy for the Sox. Mm -hmm. All these. Uh, what is his name for the Padres? Tatis, oh, yeah, Tatis, yeah, Tatis coming up. Uh, he, the, all these guys, but the, the Dodgers, you don't be like, you don't look at the Dodgers. And go, man, they got like a top five farm system. No, they don't. But all, but they are really good at player development, and they bring these guys and they bring these guys up. So it's like, I think Trout's gonna look at that, and I think that's where teams like the White Sox and the Padres and stuff like that are gonna be in favor. Not necessarily those teams, but teams in, that are gonna be in those similar situations are gonna be in favor with Trout being like, look. We might not win this first year that you come on, but next year, that second year of your contract, it's lights out, baby. Yep, still, no, he, he's not going anywhere. <laughs> not agreeing. And like you said, like, oh, all these young guys, but again, that's just, that's all, like, prospects. Prospects in baseball are very hot name of potential is a very dangerous thing, and we you can see that many examples. Perfect example, my beloved Chicago Cubs. I mean, I love them, and after twenty, after twenty fifteen, even twenty four, all oh, we got all these guys coming. Twenty fifteen, you started to put them into the league, and you started winning, and they started okay. These guys started looking like they could play, like they could play up here now. Twenty sixteen, they win the World Series. It's like, boom, we've already won the World Series. Like this was not supposed to happen, and now all these young guys got into the World Series. It's only up from here. You're like, you're thinking it's like eighty five Bears, like gonna win, 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 and then the next year comes around. They weren't terrible, and even last year they weren't terrible. I mean, 95 wins year after year after that was a 97. But, it's but it's it's guys like the Schwarbers that we were sitting here like, oh, he may never be a good fielder, and yeah, his average may may not be great, but Adam Dunn type. And I would take an Adam Dunn Cincinnati Red season out of Kyle Schwarber any day of the week. You know what I mean? I mean any any year. Adam Dunn was solid. You know, 35 home, runs. 35 home runs, 100 RBIs, a low mid to average, and he got on base, though. He took walks. And that's the big thing about Schwarber still is Schwarber takes walks. But again, Bias took off this year. That was one guy. Other than that, give me someone else in the Cubs from that 2016 team that was supposed to be phenomenal or had a great year that year and uh, contributed last year at all. Last year, I believe, was a different beast for the Cubs. Uh, at Addison Russell was, I mean, how, how many times a year? I mean, wasn't it Rizzo? Oh, this guy's a future MVP. This guy's a future MVP. Yeah. I mean, it, this is this is the proving year for all those young guys. This is definitely the proving year. Okay, was it just a flash in the pan, or are you guys really fucking good? Um, so I, you can't really say anything about that because, I mean, these are the, there's guys third years up. I mean, that's it. So they're, they're third year up. So some some four some two I mean it's whoever they brought up you know it's there's not a whole lot of service time for these guys so far so I'd say by year three year four yeah that's when you're gonna be like all right you are what you are mm -hmm. uh, and uh, the biggest concern for Cubs fans needs to be Javi Baez this year you're gonna do it again if if that that level of production is near impossible to even it's near impossible to sustain that near impossible to sustain that and it was a shame that he didn't win the mvp but but like i said level of that sustaining that production is that's a thing he didn't sustain that production towards the end of the season yelich took off yelich was was steady second behind him and then in the second in that last three weeks of the season it just it was it was done i mean it was over there was no no competition in it whatsoever. Javi came out hot, stayed hot, fell off. Mm -hmm. He needs to come out warm, get hot, get blazing. That's what he needs to do this year. And I, Chris Bryant, do you need a bounce back season from him? 
you know, with the, I mean, we're now we're just doing a Cubs tangent, but yeah. that's fine. <laughs> that's we're organically going there. Uh, the, the you Darvish, anything from him is a plus at this point. Chatwood's out of the book. Duh, they're saying Chatwood's going to be a five starter until Darvish starts. Yeah, he see his first spring training. Start? I know it was bad. Walked first. <laughs> I know it was bad. And we'll, we'll, they gave a home run. That's a lot of money tied up. That's the only reason they're gonna yeah. they're gonna keep on doing it. Uh, I mean, really, it was Lester, Hendricks, Quintana were the three solid pitchers mm-hmm. in that order. In that Hamels, order, Hamels was solid. And Hamels was solid when they got a hold of him, but. Th- the no, thing, that, redo that. What, what worries me about the, the the Cubs rotation is Lester and Hamels. 34, 35, yeah. old. A lot of playoffs on those arms, too. A lot, lot of miles. A lot of miles on both those arms. And, it, and yeah, I, you're going to come in fresh at the beginning of the season. Nobody cares about the beginning of the season. Yeah. It, it's when you get into September baseball. Yep. Uh, August, September but baseball. That's, that's when Lester's best too, though. But I don't know what Hamels, but Lester, that's when Lester's oh, best. I, I, I think those. the Cubs need to utilize the 10-day. Oh, it's not DL anymore. It's what? Injury, injury list, list? IL? Yeah, injury yeah, list. Yeah, the 10-day IL. <laughs> so, uh, you know, sensitive people out there. Yeah, I don't know. So it is what <laughs> it is. It was because people with disabilities were saying that it's wrong because like, they think of disabilities as someone who is like, mentally ill or has no arm or leg. They're... Disabled to play, and and I I found that absolutely ridiculous, and that just I think that's the world we live in these days. But before we go on a political rant, let's let's get back to baseball, and let's stay on baseball a minute before before I jump to basketball. Some things I want to talk about in basketball too, with us being from Chicago and the Bulls, and you said you wanted to put your two cents in about the whole Bulls tank tank or no tank and what people are thinking. But staying on baseball real quick, one of the hotter topics that we we keep hearing about outside of. All this crazy free agency is pitch clocks, beat the game, losing fans, fans coming in, younger people in and out, and baseball ratings going down, and how to get those up. And I'm like I was telling you, I'm I'm an old school kind of guy. Like I I like baseball. I can sit down and watch baseball the way it is now. But the matter of fact, and I'm not going to sit here and lie about it. I can sit down and watch a, any football team. I can watch a Bengals versus Raiders game. No problem. I can sit down and watch a Mavericks. Well, they're entertaining now, but uh, like a Atlanta Hawks versus a Kings game. You know, Kings had a decent team this year. I cannot sit down and watch any baseball team but the Cubs. I can't just go and I can't even maybe like a rivalry like Red Sox Yankees. I'll turn on, but other than that, I can't. And I understand. I understand why people who aren't as a fan of the game nine who didn't play it like I do would tune in for the first time and be like, wow, what what the hell is going on? This is just boring. You know, you got the guy stepping in and out of the batter's box, you know, adjusting his gloves. The pitcher, you know, sometimes takes upwards over a minute to throw each pitch. The manager wants to come in sometimes, every other pitcher, and grab him out and take him out of the game. So yeah, it does slow things down. And there are little things you can't, but is that really getting rid of all that, improving the game by eleven minutes, really gonna get little Joe Smith over here who's never watched a game ever in his life. They turn the game like, wow, this is what I want to watch. This is cool. Or is he going to go turn on football or basketball or hockey that's much more high-paced? Well, that's the issue, though, there, is that you want Joe Smith to come watch baseball because the they're the oldest average viewer at 54 years of age. You're telling I'm, I'm telling you then, if that stays at pace, in 30 years, baseball will be dead. Uh, <laughs> no, we, we'll be in our 50s we'll be the we will be in, I might be dead I don't know yeah, I'm just saying we'll be in our 50s so I, it, it's but I'm just saying like the, the baseball will be dead at that point yeah. and you have to look at sustained success for them pitch clock 11 minutes yeah it's baby steps though that's baby steps I don't want to see the let's put a runner on second in extra innings that's yeah. stupid let the game play I, I get it every game has different rules for overtime stuff so if they go into extra innings fine do something. Um, have them start with one out. Actually, do speaking of uh, speaking of that rule, when I worked uh, some work with the Slammers, the minor league baseball team out of Joliet, and there were extra innings. If they go to the tenth inning, it's one out, guy on second, and that's how they run the tenth inning on. And honestly, it did. It sped up a lot quicker, and it makes sense. Again, like me, I'll sit there and watch fifteen innings if it's my team or twenty innings. But I get it. I understand. 
it drags on. There's and a lot of time when it gets to that point, you know what I'm doing? I'm sitting there. I'm not even watching the game. I'm on my phone. I'm scrolling through like the millennial that I am. My phone. And I'll wait till I hear the announcement, oh, or something bigger. Then I'll look up to see what's going on. So, yeah, you, you've lost my – if you've lost someone who's a fan of the game's interest, at least just viewing it, you're definitely going to keep little Joe Smith, little Joey, watching that game. He's, he's going to turn it off. He's going to go find something else. And, yeah, 100%, but I want to keep the game the same. What, what do you think they could – what can they do more? I mean, 11 minutes. Come on. My girlfriend wishes she can get 11 minutes. <laughs> uh, I like the the one rule change I do like, or the the perspective rule change, uh, is the every relief pitcher, like if you change out pitchers, they have to face a minimum of three batters. I I like that. I I like that because you you're gonna not you're gonna essentially eliminate the double switch. You're essentially going to. Kill off specialists, but but you're gonna. Yeah, have, that's big though. That's like getting rid of the kickoff return. I well my so my my biggest thing. I like it because it it's going to eliminate pitching changes, which is a huge. It takes a, a long a long time commercial, for pitching commercial commercial commercial. commercial, commercial. That's out. that's more uh, that's more for the TV side of thing, which TV's the big bucks. That's what everyone has to understand. This is all for TV sake. It's all about money and viewers. It's it's, viewers money. it's all about money. it's all for TV sake, yep. and that's what it's for. That's where their big money comes in. That's why you see the, the Cubs making their own network, the Dodgers making their own network. It's because it's all for TV sake, and they're gonna cut down games to make because I'm sorry i love baseball i can't dedicate four hours a, a day to watch a game but could you watch a white Sox game i i, I would catch you honestly maybe four or five innings of it uh, and you're talking bad baseball there so that's really that's really tough okay, to watch i, watch, I can watch all nine even with the backups so i i'm a firm believer that the whole 11 the whole 11 minutes isn't gonna get you to get you the viewers that you want okay it might get someone to tune in a little bit here and there which again that's viewers but they're not gonna stay and that viewer sooner or later is going to go away completely i think it's like any sport now more offense it's always been more basketball more offense hockey where they do it through a strike smaller goalie pads got rid of the two-line pass it opens the game up more the goalie can only go between a secure little area behind the net or it's a penalty you know what i mean and what it do it opened up scoring now you see seven to eight hockey games with the, uh, the hawks game the other day i'm running the hawks man that was exciting okay i like to watch it 20 years ago 15 years ago 10 years. Yeah, you're not going to see a 7-8 hockey game, and if you did, it was an abomination. Now it's like, yeah, it's still a lot of goals, but it's not that many goals, you know, compared to a 5-6 to six game. So, like you said, what we talked earlier, DH. Okay, DH is big. First off, it's going to, on the NL side, it's definitely going to make more offense because you're not watching John Lester go up there and swing a bat, which he's been a lot better than he was. In, but you're not going to see that. I don't want to see the pitcher... Swing the bat. It's not fun to watch. I already know it's now. If I a lot of the time when it's my team's up, and it's like the middle innings, and the pitcher comes up with two outs and maybe a guy on first or even no outs. I mean, uh, and nobody on. Uh, I'll go to the kitchen or do whatever I planned on doing between innings. I'm like, oh, well, this inning's already over. You know, it's kind of like back in the day when, or I shouldn't say back, four or five years ago, when the NFL got got rid of the um, extra point, they moved it back. And they moved back. And they moved. How often did you? Oh, extra point. I'm not. You, you maybe listen to it, but you go do something if you had to go do it before the extra point. You just didn't care. So DH. Uh, second, another one. I don't. The pitcher coming from the bullpen who sat there and warmed up for. 40 minutes sometimes, however long he warms up for, he's warm. That's why he stopped throwing. That's why he's waiting. He doesn't need another 50 pitches, whatever it is. What 10 pitches they give him on the mound once he comes in. Why does the bullpen pitcher need to warm up then the warm? Does the batter go from the batting cage to come out and then get a few pitches to hit to get warmed up before he gets hitting? That's to get used to the catcher. That's what that is. That's 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 to get used to the catcher. <laughs> this guy. That it doesn't matter that you're you when you're with your bullpen catcher and your regular catcher. It's just to get it's to get used to the catcher. And that's what that is what it is. And it's and it's also so John Lester time, to get used to John, uh, David Ross. Yeah, yeah, come on. Did, when does John Lester come out of the pen? You're talking coming out of the pen. Okay, but, uh, okay I get it. But these guys, I'm, I, I get that. But I'm saying these guys throw with these catchers. It's not like they only throw the bullpen catcher, and then when they play, they throw with the catcher. I'm pretty sure they have catchers. Yes, I know. When they warm up, they had the bullpen catcher. 
bullpen catcher. But they pitch to these catchers. I don't think they come in games and randomly just pitch to the bullpen catcher. The catcher's always the guy they throw to. Maybe it's a different one, two, or three from depending on how many you carry on the roster. But Wilson Contreras catches for all the all the bullpen guys. Uh, Carantini was catching for all the bullpen guys. Him and us, when he came up, was catching for all the bullpen guys. I mean, it's not like they change out catches for pitchers unless it's a knuckleball specialist. So I don't, I don't understand that. Another one I, I didn't understand. I heard I don't agree with is the pitch clock. Okay, this is this is what got me on the pitch clock. So there's there's gonna be a, a timer somewhere in the stadium. It's, it's to the uh, when you're looking at it from a camera view to the left. Okay, so there's going to be a clock counting down. Is there a clock anywhere else, or does, can this batter or anybody see this pitch clock? Because I don't know about you. If I'm on first base, and I'm getting ready to steal a base, and I see my pitcher in his stance, and I'm like, oh, it's clicking down three, two, one. Okay, he's got to go soon. If he doesn't, what's the penalty first off? Second off, there actually is a penalty. He's going to make the pitcher pitch. If I'm a guy on base, I'm like, okay. Here comes the clock, and this telling me to go now. This is pretty much a damn countdown because this guy now has to go to the mound or he's got to make a move so I can easily guess his move. But then I heard that they were going to um, – the clock's going to turn off as soon as the pitcher comes to a set. So clock's ticking, ticking, ticking. Pitcher comes to a set position. Okay, clock turns off. So see, it, it turned off at two seconds. What if, the, what if he stands there now for another five or six? Now what? What's the punishment now? There's just too many stupid rules that we have to go into this. It's going it, to be stupid. It's, it's ridiculous. The pitch clock is a little, a little ridiculous. <laughs> what, they're going, what, they're, what they're talking about, though, right now is the first couple of weeks, they're just having it so the pitchers get used to seeing it. Then they are slowly going to start with the, penalize, the penalization of everything. Oh, they have not disclosed the penalties yet. Oh they have not disclosed the penalties yet. Uh, the, the, the old... They'll get to it. it, it uh, whatever. It's, it's only during spring training, yeah. and it's, a, it's just to, it's just to see. That's all. And the but you know the biggest issue is Manfred can implement it without uh, any, approval. any approval from the CBA. Really, he can he can implement it without any approval from the CBA. Could he just do it now? He could if he wanted to. If if he wanted to today, he could go out and just be like, and as of the first game of the season, we are having a pitch clock. He can he, he can do that. Um, could he make the rule too? As in, like, can he make the punishment? Does he have authority over the punishment too? Yeah. Like what that is. Okay. So that that's that's where I'm a little irked about it, but uh, trying that's fine. They're they're at least they're trying to speed up the game and bring in viewership. It's it's fine. I know there's the naturalists out there that are like, ah, the game's fine the way it is. Well, no, it's not. Yeah, the game's not fine as it is because it's. It's dying. It's dying. It's dying. It's like yes, I know revenue was up. Well, yeah, that that's fine. Revenue being up doesn't explain. Raise prices. Yeah, that that doesn't explain anything. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's ridiculous to me that there are people out there who are. I get it. You're traditionalist. You don't want to see things change. But you want to know what the NBA didn't have the three point line. uh, 20 or 30 years ago now it's it's a huge part of the game you need a three-point shooter what if i started saying i'm thinking about a four well what if i was like all right i'm starting to think about a four-point line now we need to add this to the game what what then now nba natural naturalist from what when they put the three-point line in 19 1985 so after 1985 we've only seen three-point lines and i guarantee if you told me right now talk to my brother who was born in 82 and people around born that time who grew up with only three-point line, just like me and you, then you're going to be like, a four-point line? Like, I see when they do it in the All-Star games, it's cool, but I don't want to see my basketball with a four-point line. I'm okay with a four-point line. Three-pointers uh, three pointers have... Pe- people have gotten too good at three-pointing. I get it. They, they've got, they've, the three-point shot has gotten too good. So it's going to be like like it was with the three-point line. You're, you're going to have specialists that do it. It's not going to be everybody shooting threes because, I'm sorry... James Harden, uh, Steph Curry. I mean, everybody is hitting threes like it's always business. You're shooting it at, at an stupid rate. So now you have a four-point line until the specialist. I mean, eventually they're just going to have to like widen the court and and just make the court bigger. And, and that's and that's what they're going to have to do and just go back to everything. I, I I would not be opposed to that. But the issue with that is is 
there's going to be a lot of construction, a lot of construction around the league. But you're going to have to eventually do that where you have to you're going to have to widen the court. You're going to have to make the court bigger. You're going to have to make it tougher. Move that three point line, maybe move that three point line farther back then. Not do the four point line, but move the three point line. I can agree with that. So, so so where it's it's tougher to hit three pointers because it's just ridiculous. I was watching I think it was like two, three years ago. It was Steph Curry was and the Warriors were facing the Grizzlies and Steph had, uh, stole the ball and somebody fouled him and he was at the Grizzlies end of the court and he was at the Grizzlies three point line and he shot a three and he hit it and he got a, and he got to shoot a foul after that. Jesus, that's ridiculous. Well, he's he's, he's one in a million. I mean, I know he's one of the our guys. Yeah, there are guys who can hit the from out there, but he is, I think. Maybe the only one who can do that, not not from that length consistently, but from right inside of that, the the half court consistently, or from that little side shot he does before he comes into the game. You know, he does um, from the tunnel. You know, he he is like the only guy who can do it. Maybe Trey Young come around and do that, but Trey Young can't do it in games as much. Trey Young is like college and uh, warm up type guy. His three point shooting this year has been pretty bad, but I I wouldn't mind seeing him move back a little bit. But again. If you're saying these guys are hitting it from almost half court, what we do? Move. Can you imagine what the basketball court would look like with a gigantic three-point line? It's not very uh, aesthetically pleasing to the eye. I, well, I'm, I'm gonna move it back five feet. Uh, that, that, that move it back five feet. Widen the court so there is more. So, so it's, you got to widen the court. So that's what I'm saying. You widen it. You make it wider. You, you throw it back. You, you move it back. So it's it's more difficult. You need to challenge these guys a little bit more. I mean, we're seeing 130, 140 point games. Like it's nothing. Yeah. You you you're like, what in the world is going on here? Like you want to see more competition. I want more parity in the NBA. The NBA is very straightforward. It's here's your top three seeds. These top three seeds are going. They're they're going to be in your they're going to be one in the finals. finals. Yeah, they're going to be conference final battling. And, and it's most of the time it's a one versus one. And so I want to see I want to see more parity. I get that it has to do with construction of rosters, superstars, all that stuff. I, that's fine, but you make it just make it more difficult on these guys. Make make it to where everyone has to get better. Well, speaking since we're on NBA construction of rosters, speaking of construction of rosters, our favorite, well, my favorite team, Bulls, under another rebuild, retool. I mean, tear down, tank. I, we really don't know what they're doing because they say they're doing one thing and then they do the other, and then they they kind of they kind of do it, and then they they kind of don't do it, and then they say they're doing. It. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. The whole I'm trying to get younger and more athletic, and we get Denzel Valentine, Rondo, and Wade, and then we're gonna tear it down completely, and then we wanna tank and then we rattle off like 19 straight wins with Nico and then we end up with a seventh pick and then this year we're going to tank completely and they're winning they won what four in a row and then they lost they won three in a row and then like four of their last five and they lost to the Bucks last night without I say the best player in the NBA right now Giannis because I think he's all yeah okay yeah, I think he's all around the best player defense offense Everything. James Harden just goes in isolation and scores. So I think Giannis is obviously the MVP, but the Bulls. What the hell is going on, Chris? Please, just enlighten me. I don't want to have to hurt you or argue with you, but tell me, please. <laughs> They're tanking. They're tanking. It's plain and simple. They are tanking. Yeah, you all know what? When they win, don't be mad. These are good wins. All right, that game against Boston, that was a good win. That's you're talking on paper was supposed uh, on paper was supposed to be one of the best teams in the NBA on paper coming into this season. They've not really figured it out with all of their stars on the court, but still on paper one of the best teams in the NBA and you handled them. Not with everybody healthy, you handled them. Zach Levine is coming into his own. Laurie Markkinen is coming into his own. You are pretty much locked into that four. All right, that number that that, that four right now. So the way that the new construction of the lottery is, that doesn't hurt you. All right, it would say last year if they were four, yeah, that hurt you. That doesn't hurt you now. It goes fourteen percent for one, fourteen percent for two, fourteen percent for three for the lottery for for the for the pinball your lottery picks. Do you know what four four is twelve point 
five. You know, 5%. you know what you have. You know, you know what the odds of them getting a number, a third overall pick is, or a top three pick is, thirty eight percent. Compared as to thirty six point five. I mean, uh, thirty nine point five. Dave, Dave, yeah. Thirty-eight percent. Well, no, it's more. Like, it's a forty percent chance that oh. uh, it's a forty percent chance. Thirty-eight point five. 38.5 for the twelve. Forty percent okay. chance for the for the top three. Yeah. You're. That's good, and it, uh, the Hawks are not going to catch them. They are three and a half games, four games back. The uh, you're not going to catch the the Cavs. Or, I mean, you might catch the Cavs at three, but I don't think the Cavs, the Knicks. It, who else is in that bottom? Cavs, Knicks, Suns. Oh, and the Suns. Cavs, Knicks, and Suns, they're never going to win another game this season. I think they'll win. Uh, they're never going to win another game this season. The Knicks are just god-awful. The Cavs are just god-awful. I mean, we had a random Kevin Love sighting. Did you see that? We had a random Kevin Love sighting the other night. Well, the Cavs, the Cavs had a random Kevin Love still sighting. He still plays basketball. He still plays basketball. So, I don't, Bulls fans, don't freak out. This is going according to plan. We have two very good stars in Laurie Markin and Zach Levine. Do I think that they are your top tier, like, oh my God, these are MVP caliber? Maybe in Laurie, definitely not in Zach. Zach, I think, is going to be a two, like your, your second option. Laurie could be the guy who's your number one. Yes, would it be nice to have Zion? Yes, it would be nice to have Zion. My issue with Zion. Here we go. I'm actually, I'm going to tell you my issue with Zion after this short break. <laughs> 